I'll be reading Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Again, that is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And it reads, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work in the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking in the truth and love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual joint supplieth, oh, working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body into the edifying itself of love. Tonight we are privileged to have Tyler Boyd he and Heather and Elijah are now with us, have been now for uh, a few months, and we're certainly glad they are. And uh, he's going to preach for us tonight, and uh, we look forward to that. Some of you, as I mentioned before, may have heard his granddad, Brother James Boyd. Uh, I had the privilege of hearing him several times, and he has a lot of good material written. Uh, and so we're glad now at this time, Brother Tyler. Lord is going to come and preach for us. Come ahead, Tom. Well, thank you for that, Billy. But before we get started with our lesson, I want to add something to that. You know, whenever whenever it gets time for the lesson, let's remember it's um it really doesn't matter what I say. What I say isn't important. What matters is what we study from this. And for that reason, make sure you have this in front of you. Make sure you're opening it up and looking at the verses along with me. And if I say something that's not there, you have full permission to just ignore what I say. Um, but don't ignore this. Let's make sure. I mean, we are still worshiping right now, and we're worshiping by studying God's Word. So let's, uh, let's make sure we focus on that. Stop acting like a child. Have any of you ever heard that phrase before? Any of you teenagers, have your parents ever said that to you, to stop acting like a child? Um, or, or maybe some of you parents, have you ever used that phrase towards your children? Or, um, or maybe some of you remember someone saying that phrase to you at some point in the past. We know what that phrase means. And when it's directed at us, it kind of hurts a little bit. That our first reaction whenever someone says to us, stop acting like a child, what's that first reaction? I'm not acting like a child. What do you mean I'm acting like a child? And the next thing you know, well, we've just proved their point because we just kept whining and complaining. And, and so that, that's an effective phrase, to stop acting like a child. Um, then again, there's other times, you know, I wouldn't go up to this pew packers class that was up here a few minutes ago, and I wouldn't go up to one of them and say, stop acting like a child. I mean, that's what they are. They're, you know, being a child isn't a bad thing. As long as you don't stay that way forever. That's, that's what Paul is saying to the church here in, the, in, the, in Ephesus, in the scriptures that we just read. I'm going to read through them again. And I want for you to notice this message. He wants them to stop acting like a child. He wants them to grow up. 
And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and, to, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about uh, with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning of craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. God wants for the congregation here at Olive Branch to grow, does he not? And we want the same thing. We want the congregation to grow. We want to grow more mature. We want to grow in number. But here's the thing. Church growth does not just happen on its own. There are things that we are expected to be doing if the church is going to grow. And what I want for us to, to look at tonight are four principles of church growth that we find in the New Testament. The first one comes from this verse, uh, verse 16, that we just looked at in this passage. And if you look at it closer, it says, From which the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. What causes the body to grow when every single part is doing its share. Everybody has a different part that God wants for us to play as a part of the body. Um, if you would turn over with me to Romans chapter 12. This is, um, Paul likes this image of the body, of the church as a body, and he uses this quite a bit. If you turn to Romans chapter 12, um, this is another one of these passages. He's comparing the church to a body, and notice specifically how he breaks this down. And he talks about how the whole body, every part of our body has a different role that it plays. And it's the same for us. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. 
He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. We are all different parts of the same body, and we all have different functions. If your function is that, if you like to get up and teach classes, if that's what you're good at and that's what you're comfortable with, you need to be doing that. Maybe your part in the body is you, are, you write letters to anybody who needs encouraging. You need to be doing that. Maybe your part of the body is you're the one that looks for young people when they're visiting here for the first time, and you make sure that you and three or four other friends go and welcome them and invite them over to sit with you. You need to be doing that if that is your part of the body. It may be organizing things. It may be saying an encouraging word to somebody. It may be that you don't really like talking to many people. You're not comfortable with that. But you are very regular and diligent in opening up the church bulletin every single day and praying through all those names of people that need praying. If that's what you do, you need to be doing that. And you probably know what it is that you need to be doing better than anybody else. But everybody, if we want the church here to grow, that includes you doing whatever it is that you need to be doing. And I don't know exactly what that is for everybody, but you do, and you better be doing your part. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is another spot where Paul uses this imagery of the body. Chapter 12, I'm going to read it. It's kind of a longer section, but I think it's important to read the whole thing. What we're looking at, and what I want for you to be thinking about is, what would happen to the church here if you didn't do what you need to be doing? If you didn't fulfill your function as a part of the body? Chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members... But all members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. God has put you where you are in the body for a reason. He is it's part of his design that we all have different talents and different things that we need to be doing. But what happens if you don't do your part? Someone else is either going to have to step up and do something that maybe you're more qualified for because you're not doing it. 
Or maybe even if they are qualified for it, it's taking them away from whatever they would be doing otherwise. If every single person in here is not doing their part, the congregation here will not reach its full potential. Every part of the body has to do its part. And according to Ephesians chapter 4, when everybody's doing their part, what happens to the body? It grows. Now let's move on to principle number 2. This comes from Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Again, Paul's going back to this, uh, going back to this image. I'm sorry, verse 19. Uh, he's going back to this image of the body. Colossians chapter 2, verse 19. Now, I am going to back up a little bit because I want you to get the context. As he's writing to the church in Colossae, they've got all kinds of problems going on. They've got different people encouraging the church to focus on different things, to focus on different outward rituals and different uh, worldly principles, and, and everybody's trying to pull the church in different directions. And Paul encourages them, okay, if you're a body, make sure you hold fast to the head. I'm going to start reading in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, which are shadows of the things to come, but the substances of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and of worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by the joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Our growth has to come from holding fast to the head. Our increase as a congregation doesn't come from our own strength. The increase is from God. We need to remember where our focus is. If we ever start trying to grow, but in so doing we disconnect ourselves from Christ, if we ever get too wrapped up and maybe just, hey, we're Church of Christ, we got the name on the sign, great, and that's how we use that phrase, but we're not really of Christ, we're not going to grow, or at least not, or at least we're not going to grow stronger and more mature in the way that God wants us to. But if we do hold fast to God, He will give the increase. I want to read through just a few short scriptures, and every one of these mentions how our strength is not from ourselves, it comes from the head, it comes from God, it comes from Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As Paul prays for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 20, 
verse 16, he starts the prayer that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And if you skip down to verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work in us. Now, there's lo- there may be several ways that God strengthens us. But one real important way, and I want for you to notice this. If you have the outline, if you grabbed it from out there, I want for you to circle this last bullet point under number two. One of the ways that God gives us strength as a church is through the strength that we give to each other. One of the ways he comforts the church is by us sharing that comfort with others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort by which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. We need to be sharing God. When we're strengthening each other, that's one way that God is working through us to strengthen his church. Which leads us to the third principle of church growth. If the church is going to grow, the strong must bear with the weak. I love preaching on Sunday nights. The, the numbers aren't usually as big on Sunday nights, but the group that's here, you know you're around some amazing Christians that can encourage you and strengthen you. If you're a stronger Christian, you need to be looking for opportunities to strengthen and encourage others. Now, I want to I turn real quick the book of Proverbs. There's a principle here. Um, it might seem a little strange at first, but, but I think it's important for us to get. Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14, verse 4. It, it's, it's kind of a farming proverb. It's, it's, one, uh, it's one agriculturally centered. But the principle is so important for us to grasp. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 4. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean. But much increase comes by the strength of an ox. Let that sink in for a minute. What's that saying? If you want a clean trough, if you want to keep your barn all nice and neat and in order, it's easy. Don't buy an ox. Don't go to work. Don't try to plant a bigger crop. Just just let it go, and guess what? It's going to be nice and neat, and everything's going to be great. But if you want a bigger crop, if you want a bigger harvest, you better buy an ox. You better just take the mess that comes with it. If you want the church here to be easy, if you want for the church to not have any problems and to not have anything that kind of is uncomfortable, easy. Don't work. Just go through the motions. Don't rock the boat. Just go along. That's fine, and, and it'll be nice and neat and easy. 
But if you want the church to grow, guess what? A growing church has more babes in Christ. A growing church has more weaker Christians as a part of that body. And along with it, more problems. You might have more financial problems. You might have uh, broken marriages. You might have broken homes. You might have children that don't know how to obey their parents. You might have uh, financial problems, drug problems. I don't know. The, uh, doctrinal issues where people don't understand as maturely as they ought to. There might be any number of things that come into the church if the church is working and if the church is growing. That's a good problem to have. We need to be ready and expecting that, yes, there's always going to be weaker Christians. There's going to be people that sometimes may get on our nerves. They may discourage us because they aren't working as hard as we want them to. Because they're not joining in with us. Because they're not pulling their share. I don't know what it is. But when you see a weaker Christian, what is our responsibility? Romans chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. We then, who are strong, ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. That's that word again, that building up. Our focus needs to be on helping them and not just getting fed up with them and frustrated with them. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our responsibility is not to always be happy with the church. Our responsibility is not always to be happy with people. Our responsibility is to bear with them, to bear with the problems that we face, and to help strengthen and encourage others through that. And in so doing, God is working through us to strengthen and encourage His church. Now, this isn't always easy. In fact, it can be pretty discouraging sometimes when you're surrounded with problems in people's lives. But listen to what Paul said to the Thessalonian church. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Now we exhort you, brother, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. That means that some of those people who you're warning because they're unruly, they may not respond that very first time. Some of those faint-hearted and some of those weaker Christians, they may not change just like that and as quick as you'd want them to. Wasn't any different in the first century. But Paul, the Holy Spirit through Paul encourages us, be patient with all. Which leads us to the fourth principle of church growth. Since... God wants the stronger Christians to help encourage those around them, and he needs them to be patient. Sunday night crowd, stronger Christians, we can't afford 
to get discouraged. We can't afford to become disheartened. Galatians chapter 6, verse, verse 9, Paul wrote, And do not grow weary while doing good. But Paul, what if I'm over here and I'm doing good day in and day out and I'm working as hard as I can and it's just not working? That Olive Branch congregation, they're just they're stuck in their ways and, and this particular person, they're just the same and they're not going to change and there's not, they're not ever going to overcome their problem. Paul says, do not grow weary in doing good for... In due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and this is that chapter, the great resurrection chapter, where Paul is emphasizing how great of a hope we have for that resurrected body. And this is how he concludes it. He doesn't say, therefore, since we're going to be resurrected, just kind of, hey, just hold on tight and don't worry, you're going to get to heaven one day. That's not what he says. He says, since you're going to be resurrected, the very last verse in the chapter, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There may be times where our labor, where we can't see the result we want to see, but we have God's promise that our labor will not be wasted. It will not be in vain. Keep going. Be patient. Be long-suffering. Long-suffering is one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Long-suffering with joy is a gift from God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11 Paul wrote, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. If you're discouraged, if you feel like your work isn't working, or maybe you feel like you can't do the same work you used to be able to do, maybe you feel like you're just not being effective and you're not needed here, first of all, remember the second principle. Remember that our strength comes from God. It doesn't have to come from you. Even if you're not as strong as you once were, that's okay. Your strength never came from you in the first place. Um, our strength comes from God. Remember the third principle. Don't lose perspective. The fact that there's challenges, the fact that there's weakness in the church, well, we're, that's to be expected. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. And remember the first principle. You're part of the body. You have to do your part if the church is going to grow the way that God knows that it can. So in conclusion, the four principles of church growth. Number one, everybody must do their part. Number two, we must hold fast to the head. We must never lose sight that Christ and his way of doing things is the most important. Number three, the strong must bear with the weak. And number four, the strong must not become disheartened. And if not, if there's only some of us doing our part and others aren't, the church here isn't going to grow the way it should. If we start trying to gain our strength because of our own wealth or our own talents or 
our own presence in the community that we think that we're able to impress people or something like that, we're not going to grow the way that God wants us to. If the strong members become discouraged, and therefore as a result of that, if they stop encouraging the weaker Christians, the church growth here is going to be endangered. We need to be doing our part. And if not, the congregation may not die tomorrow. It may be a stagnation for a while where things just stay the same. And maybe years from now it slowly dies off. That may happen. But remember Paul's words of encouragement. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And do not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If you would pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the congregation here and the family that we have. Please strengthen us with your strength. Please help us to be faithful to your ways and help us to work as hard as we can, but always remembering that our strength comes from you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. If you're not part of the body yet, we have a place for you. There's going to be a work for you. But you've got to make that decision to become part of the body. You have to be buried with Christ into baptism, in baptism and raised a new life out of the grave. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 is a great place to study that if you want to look at, at a little more into what that means. Maybe you are a Christian. And maybe you used to be that strong Christian doing your part, but for whatever reason, you've become discouraged and you know that you need to get back to doing your part. If you need for God to strengthen you, if you want for God to strengthen you through us and the encouragement we can give you, please come this evening while we stand and while we sing.